The Paul Kurtman Podcast. I tell you what, this situation on the border, well, it's not just on the border now, but this situation on the border in Florida, Arizona, Texas, that has now been transported to New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, very likely coming to a liberal city near you where these governors are moving these undocumented illegal aliens from these border states to these sanctuary cities. I'm gonna, I am gonna—I got a clip here that I'm going to play from Ron DeSantis. I, I was going to play this coming in, but I wanted to set this up first. Ron DeSantis sent some something like 50 or 60 of these illegal aliens from Florida. He flew them to Martha's Vineyard. So if you're not familiar with Martha's Vineyard, this is a place up in New England where some of the wealthiest, some of the elite from the political ruling class likes to go. They have homes there. They have vacation homes there. This is like the 1% of the 1% has residents at Martha's Vineyard. You got people like Oprah Winfrey, the Obamas, um, I mean, you name it. This is where the elite go. Ron DeSantis sent migrants, sent a plane. I keep calling them migrants, but I want to be very clear here. It's not migrants that are the issue. It's illegal aliens. It is people that are in this country illegally that we can't send back because the the Biden administration is not allowing these governors to do their job, and he's not giving them reinforcements to secure the border. Here's Ron DeSantis. People visiting here, we were the number one state for foreign tourism by far in 2021 for all U.S. tourism. But even people across the border, there's a lot that say they want to come to Florida. So our message is, you know, we're not a sanctuary state. Uh, we don't have benefits or, or any of that. There are some sanctuary jurisdictions, and that would be better. Now, what would be the best is for Biden to do his damn job and secure the border. For all the liberals that are out there that are about ready to start saying, well, wait a minute, this country needs to have an open border. We need to be welcoming. I got, I got, and I have a clip here that I'm going to probably play here in a couple minutes where you have liberals saying this. Everything changes when these illegal aliens wind up not just close to them, but in their cities and on their doorstep. Take, for example, example uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She was sent busloads of illegal immigrants. And what does she do? She takes these busloads of people. She tries to round them up and then she carts them off somewhere else. She sends them out to some of her more uh, rural neighbors or urban areas, some of the uh, uh, communities and subdivisions around Chicago. So she thinks that she's sending this back to Republican areas. Now, I just want to be very clear here. We are talking about human beings. These are people that come across the border in many cases uh, they're looking for a better life, but in many cases also, um, they're just trying to flee justice where they're at. Sometimes they're trying to flee persecution. Not so much when they're coming from Mexico, right? It's not like Mexico is outlawing religious beliefs, okay? Usually what we see coming across the border from Mexico, and this is what Donald Trump, this is all the twists that they tried to spin on his statement when he said uh, they're rapists, they're murderers. He's not saying they are rapists and murderers. He's saying they are, Mexico is sending us there, okay, T-H-I-E-R. It's possessive. They're um, uh, people. They are, you know, I just messed all that up. They are rapists and murderers. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. When he's talking about these people that are coming across illegally, 
Okay, I'm going back and forth over and over on this now with the spelling. My wife is going to kill me here. <laughs> they're, they're T-H-E-I-R. Uh-huh. Okay, now, now that that point of confusion has just been cleared up in my mind, this is, this is what happens sometimes, folks, when you're trying to speak all this into a microphone kind of on the fly when you're reading these headlines and trying to convey a message here. T-H-E-I-R, okay? Mexico is sending us their the, it's possessive. They're rapists. They're murderers. They don't want to keep them in Mexico, so they send them across the border to the U.S. What Trump got in trouble for was uh, the uh, the twist that the left put on it and said, no, no, no. He's saying they are rapists and murderers. Well, yeah, that's true. But just because someone comes across the border, he's not saying that because they're coming across the border, then they're rapists and murderers. But he's saying that Mexico is sending us their rapists and murderers. Like they're coming across the border because Mexico doesn't want them either. And these people, these criminal element, are mixed in with this much larger element of people that really are just looking for a better life. But when they come across the border, and when there's no security, when there's no process by which we can vet these people as they're coming in, and by the way, there is a process, it's just that a lot of people don't want to follow the process, which is what makes them illegal. This is what uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot had to say about the issue. The federal government has to step up. I was in Washington, D.C. last week talking to members of Customs and Border Patrol, um, National FEMA, ICE, um, and uh, DHS. And we made it very clear, I made it very clear, that our expectation is that they were going to have a plan that features communication and collaboration uh, with interior cities. And they must do that, and they must do that soon. I know that they are under um, enormous pressures. This is not a new challenge at the border, but this is a new uh, challenge for us. Okay. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, this is not a new challenge at the border, but this is a new challenge for us. I would have to say the fact that this is coming out of the mouth of one of these mayors of a sanctuary city, largely liberal and progressive element within our country, I would have to say... That Governor Abbott, Governor DeSantis, these other border governors who are participating in this strategy, you are very close to saying mission accomplished. This is not a new challenge at the border. So now at least they're acknowledging that it is a challenge at the border. At least Lori Lightfoot has acknowledged that this is a challenge at the border. But because the federal government is not stepping up and fulfilling their role in this constitutional contract between the states and the federal government, And in particular, their responsibility, the federal government's responsibility to secure the border and protect states from an invasion, if you want to call it that. And I think that that perfectly applies here. This is not a new challenge at the border, but this is a new challenge for us. See, people like Lori Lightfoot, people like the Uh, mayors of New York City and Washington, D.C., they are now in a position where they have to put their liberal, progressive, virtue-signaling money where their liberal, progressive, virtue-signaling mouth is. They have to put up or shut up. You're telling people like Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis, you have all kinds of names for them saying that they're bigots, that they're racist because they don't want these people. But now they're actually saying, now you got these liberals saying, hey, This is not a new challenge at the border. Well, no kidding, it's not a new challenge at the border. This is what we've been trying to convey. But because all these liberals have been against border security, we have had to show them, we've had to 
physically move people into their cities to demonstrate to them exactly how big of a challenge it is for these border states. This is not a new challenge at the border, but this is a new challenge for us. Lori Lightfoot. The question comes down to this, though. Right now, you have people like Lori Lightfoot. You have these other mayors. And they're trying. They're trying. They're saying, hey, we're going to give these people food. The mayor of Washington, D.C. says, hey, we're going to give these people some food. But, but they're going to be moving on from here. They need, to go, they need to go someplace else. Well, if you're a sanctuary city, what type of sanctuary city, what type of sanctuary anything says, uh, you can check in, but you can't stay? That doesn't sound much like a sanctuary to me. That doesn't sound like a place where people can go for the refuge, the protection, the basic supplies that they need, a place where they can go and live and raise their family without persecution or prosecution from anybody. It doesn't sound much to me like a sanctuary city if you have these mayors saying, we're going to feed these people, but then we're going to move them on. Lori Lightfoot has already moved people out to the suburbs. Here's Whoopi Goldberg. This Yesterday, undocumented immigrants were put on planes and flown from Texas to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said he used his state's funds to do that. That means taxpayers paid for it. And his spokesperson added that places like Massachusetts and New York should take care of them since they're the ones inviting them here by calling themselves sanctuary cities. Now, I call me crazy, but I remember the big, tall, green lady, you know, the one that's yeah. over on the river. And she kind of said, send me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I thought that was part of what we did here in the United States. We welcomed people, invited people who were going through crap in the countries they lived in, getting abused in the countries they lived in. I thought we asked people to come here. And I know that uh, Ron DeSantis's great-great-grandma arrived at uh, in Ellis Island in 1917 from Italy. She also could not read or write, but no one gave her permission to come. She come, and we still took her in. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because this is where the left, th- this is the crazy, stupid spin coming out of the mouths of uh, liberal progressives like Whoopi Goldberg. And by the way, while she's... Uh, is re- reading this off of a cue card to make sure she gets all of her little facts about Ron DeSantis' grandmother, right? She fails to completely, I mean, she is completely lost on the fact that what she's reading off the card necessarily makes her argument collapse. The Statue of Liberty, yeah, send me your tired, your weak, your poor, your homeless. But then Whoopi Goldberg goes on to say, Ron DeSantis' grandmother came here in 1917 and went to Ellis Island. Nobody gave her permission. Yes, she did get permission. In fact, that was the whole point of Ellis Island. It was a processing station for people to come here legally. The American taxpayers, the American voters funded that whole island, all the employees that were there. And we gave people permission to come here. So the people of America, through our laws, through our systems, through our process that we designed specifically so Ron DeSantis's grandmother could come here in 1917, we gave her permission. 
So Whoopi Goldberg is thinks she's making some really deep point. Hey, your mother's an immigrant or your grandmother's an immigrant. She came here. Nobody gave her permission. But you can't say that nobody gave Ron DeSantis' grandmother permission to come to America as an immigrant. And in the same breath, talk about how she came through the immigration processing processing station on Ellis Island. How stupid. And I'm not I'm not trying to I don't want to come across as is just really saying like Whoopi Goldberg is stupid, but this is cert- because she's not. She she's got some opinions that are informed, but when she says something like this, the stupidity really begins to shine through. Because Ron DeSantis's grandmother came here legally, came here through a system, came here through a process that was vetted by lawmakers and policymakers and funded by the American taxpayer. But what we're talking about are people that are arriving on beaches on boats or people that are coming through a porous border where there's no processing system. In fact, there's no system and no process whatsoever that the American people have gotten behind and have used to bring people in and vet them as we make them citizens or at least legal immigrants to our country. We want people to come in here the right way. We just came off of 20 years of war. We've been at war. for How in the world does a country who's at war in two fronts for almost 20 years keep their border wide open and porous and so open to abuse and just allowing anybody to come through? It just makes no sense. None at all. These governors are having their way with the left on this issue because they have strategized to make them acknowledge the problem and make their position completely indefensible. So this week, Zach, we just got the latest inflation numbers that hit on Tuesday. I think in July, the 12-month rolling amount of inflation, the the rate of inflation was 8.6. So it had come down from 9.1, I think, to 8.6. And then this week, just earlier this week, that 12-month figure went from 8.6 to 8.3. So it looks like inflation's coming down, but on the same day that that number was released, the market, which had been beginning to rally as people were anticipating better inflation numbers, and that sounds like a better inflation number if it comes from 8.6 down to Mm 8.3, the market just absolutely tanked and continued to tank for the rest of the week. Now... The number this is what this is what you have to be careful of when the government likes to use their numbers. And let's not let's not forget, let's not get lost on the irony or tyranny or whatever you want to call it of President Biden having his big party on Tuesday announcing uh, that the Inflation Reduction Act is going to be going into effect on the same day that the market <laughs> fell like further than it had fallen in two and a half years almost mm-hmm. in a single day. Oh, is that bad? It was bad. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I think it, I think by the end of the day, it was down maybe over 4%. I'm trying to remember. It was Tuesday. The mm-hmm. S&P 500. Using the S&P 500 as an right. index of the market, it was down about 4%. That's okay. huge. Huge. I mean, it's been a long time since you could even put your money into a 4% CD, you know, and make 4% annually on something safe, right? The market falls like over 4% on Tuesday. Well, then the reason it fell is this. Although... What it was that dragged that big 12-month rolling window of inflation down from 8.6 to 8.3 was primarily the fact that gas prices have come down. That's such a big part 
mm-hmm. of measuring inflation that that when those gas prices came down as far as they did, they kind of pulled down that 12-month window, uh, that 12-month uh, inflation rate from 8.6 to 8.3. Mm-hmm. But when you measure inflation from, Jul- uh, from July to August, what happened in prices between July and August, we also discovered uh, that I think they call it the CPIU, Consumer Price Index Urban, that number actually went up one-tenth of a percent. So the things that people are buying in the grocery store, the food that they're buying, energy prices for their home, et cetera, those prices actually went up one-tenth of a percent. Mm -hmm. So the inflation that people were actually looking at month-to-month went up, but the 12-month average rate of inflation came down primarily because gas prices have come down. And so when people realized that the the real inflation that people are feeling month to month went up, that's when people were like, sell off, the economy is not getting better. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that it was so bad was because people had been looking forward to that number actually going down, like that month to month number going down. You had uh, huge financial institutions. And, and you'll always see somebody like uh, Merrill Lynch or J.P. Morgan, um, uh, some of these larger financial institutions, right? You'll often see them and their analysts making predictions for the market. And so people have been saying, oh, I, I've actually read headlines. Market's going to rally to, uh, to uh, S&P 500 is going to rally to 4,600 points or we're going to see new highs by the end of the year, 47, 4,800, you know, is what the S&P 500 is going to be. And then when the market starts going down after a new economic number comes out, that can induce a lot of retail investors, also, especially maybe, to begin to just sell off because they they were kind of bought into some of the hype that things are going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, and then it turns out the actual numbers come out and they're not getting better. In spite of what the politicians have said, in spite of what a lot of these economists have said, it turns out things aren't getting better like they said, and that causes people to react to that, and they will begin to sell off their investments for fear that the market's going to go down even further. Of course, when people begin to sell off, that will drive the market down, right? Yeah, yeah. So so the point that I want to make here is this. The same economists who are making predictions for what the economy is going to look like um, in another couple months, and, and don't think that this stuff cannot be politically motivated. A lot of this can also be politically motivated. The same experts, the same talking heads who have said, this is what's going to happen next month. This is what's going to happen by the end of the year. This is how long it's going to take the market to go up or the market to go back down. All these same people are the same people that by and large missed inflation being a problem when it started registering on our computer screens and on headlines and in the news and in all the economic data back in May of 2021. Back in May of 2021 was really when people were like, oh my goodness, hey, inflation, man, that's, that's kind of a big jump there. And then it's been jumping and moving up really ever since. We're, we are still on an upward trajectory in terms of inflation. And so I got asked a question um, I've done a couple radio spots talking a little bit about the markets uh, because the markets are the people buying and selling as they compete and cooperate to meet their needs or their wants. Okay. Then on the other side of the markets, the markets are not just full of people competing with each other, but the markets themselves also compete with the government because the government introduces regulations and that changes behaviors in the market, right? So you have this competing 
idea here between the government and free markets, okay? I'm not saying we don't need all regulation. Some regulations are very important, especially where it comes to justice. We want to make sure that people aren't getting ripped off and defrauded, right? Yeah. Nevertheless, nevertheless, a lot of people make their decisions for what the markets are going to do based on what the government says it's going to do, and that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. if you know a regulation's coming down, you might want to get out ahead of it by maybe not investing in something or maybe selling out of something or buying into something based on what the government's doing. But a lot of times the economist, the chairman of the Federal Reserve and uh, the board or um, these economists or these market or financial analysts at these companies, they will put out information because they're economists. They put out information that can be very misleading. So when an economist puts out information that says the market's going to do better, when uh, Don or when uh, President Biden is putting out information saying, "Hey, the market's going to get better, things are going to get better," they don't know that for sure because they're competing with the market. And the market, I think, this week has demonstrated to us that the market is still stronger than the government. The government has not been able the market can certainly be made worse by the things that the government's doing, but the government cannot make the market get better. It just can't Mm -hmm. like say, hey, things are going to get better. We're going to pass the Inflation Reduction Act and everything's going to be okay. I think it's really tone deaf. They actually had entertainment at the speech that Biden gave on Tuesday when he's talking about we just passed the Inflation Reduction Act and we've done all that's going to do so much for – the, the the green energy and everything else, this this bill has been completely free of special interest. What a lie. Right. Did you catch any of this any of that speech where he was like, there's not any this bill had nothing to do with special interest? Did you, did you hear him say that? I didn't hear him, but I mean in, incredible. <laughs> but it's a bill that's full of tax credits. And tax believe me, tax credits are not written with consumers in mind. They're mm-hmm. really not. They're written for uh people like who was it? Ford, I think, recently they put in this Inflation Reduction Act that the consumers would get like a five thousand or fifty five hundred dollar tax credit for the purchase of a new vehicle, and I think it was Ford. I could be wrong on that, but one of these electric vehicle makers immediately goes out and says, "Oh, well, if the consumer can save fifty five hundred dollars, that's great. That means we can make an extra fifty five hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> by inflating the price even more. You know, mm-hmm. so they'll get their tax credit. So like the price evens out for the consumer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to win. It is a consumer. It is hard to win. And right now, because of all the volatility in the market and because you have economists saying one thing and the president saying one thing, but then the market is doing something else or the inflation numbers are doing something else, it puts people in a position where they just don't know how to plan for the future. Mm -hmm. They're not sure if their plans to retire are actually going to come to fruition. You know, they stay up all night biting their fingernails because they wonder what the market's going to do the next day. And, you know, we don't trust all the corruption going on in the government because they see Donald Trump being raided by the FBI and the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, meanwhile, President Biden's own son, Hunter, has this laptop floating around that the FBI has, and they haven't raided him. They had, he's not even being questioned. There's no press conferences or anything on that. So it doesn't seem like there's any investigation. And so you just re- really begin to kind of build this maybe a little bit of resentment, but certainly even more distrust for your government And so when you have that kind of distrust for your government and you can't trust the headlines from all these experts and you see the market going down, I mean, it is it becomes the perfect storm for people that have relied on their life savings that they've built up over years and years and years of hard work. And they don't know if that money is even going to be there for them in the future. Right. The money that they've had in the bank has already lost 
at least 8.6% of its purchasing power. So the people who say they saw this coming or they were just afraid. I uh, I talked to somebody recently when President Biden got elected. They took all, all their investments and put it in cash. Hmm. Well, the purchasing power of their investment, of their cash now, has dropped substantially. Um, a little bit more than halfway than what the market has done with people's cash, you know? Mm-hmm. And so people don't know what to do. And so what in, in that case, when people don't know what to do, in many cases, they just decide to do nothing. And by nothing, I mean they pull their money out of the market or else they leave their money in the market and they just freeze. And they don't go back to get anything checked out. But this is just where we are in this country going into the midterm elections where people are so uh, so confused wringing their hands with worry. And I think a lot of this has to do with why even Democrats right now, a lot of these recent poll numbers over the last few weeks show that even Democrats are saying we cannot let Biden run again. We just can't let him run again. He, he is so bad for this country. Over the last couple of weeks, I saw a Wall Street Journal poll this week that said that his approval rating has come up to 45%. And uh, I just doubt that number. I just yeah. doubt that number. I think that it might be because gas prices have come down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's come down a little <laughs> bit, but it hasn't come down to where it was two years ago. No. But when people can get a little bit of relief, mm-hmm. you know, they'll feel really good about that. Mm-hmm. So going into these midterm elections coming up, um, I think the economy has most people. I think there's more people worried about the economy than there are people worried about Roe versus Wade being overturned. Yeah, I can see that. I think with Roe versus Wade, I think that it, it's a big issue, certainly. But I don't think it you're capturing as many people in that issue as you're capturing as many people that have to readdress their budget from one week to the next. Yeah, because the financial yeah. system uh, or situation continues to change and people continue to get put in a worse yes. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm kind of on the front lines of this, so I I have an investment advisory firm, and so I like put together portfolios for people mm-hmm. and uh, I, I manage uh, their portfolios based on their tolerance for risk and I try to you know build a portfolio that they don't have to chew their nails at night wondering yeah. what's going to happen <laughs> the next day. So I've been doing a lot of reviews for people and probably the number one question that I've been getting from people just in my line of work is what's going to happen in November? Are things going to get better after November? Mm-hmm. And part of me says yes. Things are going to get better because the markets will respond if they see a, a changeover in leadership. But if that changeover isn't as strong as we're expecting or if we don't go as far as we need to go to really demonstrate some strength uh, to hold back the Biden administration from some of these terrible, terrible decisions that it's making related to the economy, um, I just I don't know if it's going to get better as fast as we want it to get better. I think the markets are certainly going to rebound mm-hmm. for sure. I do believe that 100%. Um, but the time frame that we have for things like markets rebounding, is it at this point, you know, is it hinging on what's going to happen with the elections in November? I think a lot of people hope it does. But I just don't know. I don't know if we're going to get what we what we need to get. Yeah. And then furthermore, beyond that, let's just say we get all these Republicans elected and they're hoping that we can turn the economy around. 
Now we have to wonder, well, are we going to get these Republicans to do more than just have committee meetings and get sound bites for their social media accounts? Are they actually going to go in there and cast votes that might make their next election a little bit harder to win, but necessarily uh, but necessary votes nonetheless, because we have to make some serious changes in this country. We're already at over $30 trillion in debt. Ten years ago, we were only at $20 trillion. That is a huge uptick in a much poorer financial condition for our country. I'm telling you, there's so many moving parts, and there's so many different variables that go into whether or not the markets are going to go back up or come back down, or whether or not the country is going to start acting more fiscally sound, or it's going to continue on this railroad train into financial abyss, which is where it kind of seems that we are right now. Um, But I just want to take this second just to let you know, I I mentioned that I have this investment advisory firm. And if you want to get my emails, because I put out relevant market information, um, you can go to prkurtman.com, P-R-C-U-R-T-M-A-N.com. You can get those emails. If you got any questions, if you want me to take a look at what you have and just give you a review at no cost, just to kind of help you out, maybe give you a second opinion. So that way you're not up all night biting your nails or, or maybe you should be and I need to let you know. Um, just reach out to me through that website. All the emails sent to that website go straight to my cell phone so I can be always available and accessible to you and be helpful. PRKurtman.com, P-R-C-U-R-T-M-A-N.com. All right. Hey, real quick, I want to touch on what's going on in Jefferson City. So we had a special session. We were supposed to pass a tax cut. And I've heard different legislators commenting on this because we, we went the end of the week. There's no tax cut. Special session called. They want to cut taxes. Taxes have not yet been cut. Now, we have Republicans in the House and the Senate. How in the world is it this hard to cut taxes? Well, it turns out some of the scuttlebutt that I'm hearing, some of the frustration that I'm hearing between members of the legislature is that I actually heard one guy use the phrase bait and switch. You know, we were supposed to cut taxes, but now we also have to have all these tax credits and tax incentives and all these special interest giveaways as part of this. And this is all part of the discussion. And that's not what we're comfortable with. So originally, when I was in the legislature, we had passed a tax cut bill that was supposed to go into effect over time. And what Governor Parson had said that he wanted to do, essentially, and this is coming from uh, Representative uh, Mike McGurl, who's the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, who I interviewed a a couple of weeks ago. Basically, let's speed all that up so it doesn't go into effect over a course of time. Let's make it all happen right now. And that is something that I think Republicans could get on board with. But now they're fighting about who gets to introduce the legislation that makes this happen. That's even part of the part of the fight. It would be really, really good leadership and it would be a good opportunity to mend some broken bridges and maybe start the process of healing in the state Senate because the state Senate has been wildly dysfunctional. And at some point though, if you're in leadership and you're having a hard time leading fellow Republicans, at some point you have to recognize that a little bit of humility goes a long way. So if you're fighting with members of the conservative caucus or or the former conservative caucus because they have disbanded. The conservative caucus said we will disband in an effort to be able to all work together. That is a good sign. And leadership should take them up on that. If the people in the state Senate leadership, I'm talking about uh, Dave Schatz, Caleb Rowden, if they do not see the opportunity that they have in front of them to actually bring people back to the table and lead them, then they are completely inept to the position, any position of leadership. This is, this is a clear sign that you have an opportunity 
to get together with some people, if they're willing to disband the conservative caucus just so everybody can sit at the same table and have a voice on the issue, take them up on that. But instead, one of the things that happened this week, and I'm going to read a tweet here. Uh, You can find this at paulkirtman.com. Go to radio number 68. There's a tweet from Scott Fawn of the Missouri Times, and it says, Last night was either a big night for Bill Igel for governor. So Bill Igel was the one who started the conservative caucus a few years back. He's definitely a very conservative member of the Missouri State Senate. And he's also announced that he's looking at running for governor. Last night was either a big night for Bill Igel for governor campaign, scoring Lincoln Huff as his Green County coordinator, Or it was a terrible night for the Eigel for Governor campaign, scoring Lincoln Huff as his Greene County coordinator. Your move, Mike Kehoe. So Bill Eigel, three people mentioned in this tweet. Bill Eigel, who's a state senator. Lincoln Huff, who's also a state senator and who is not conservative at all. Okay? Arguably, not even Republican at all. Okay? And then you got Mike Kehoe, who's the current lieutenant governor who is running for the position of governor of Missouri. When you look at this tweet, go to my website, go to paulkirtman.com, scroll all the way down, radio number 68, you'll see this tweet that I'm talking about, and you'll see State Senator Lincoln Huff, he's uh, standing behind a podium that has the Missouri Times uh, logo on the front, and he's opening up his jacket, and you can see that he is just basically, it looks like he's taking a marker, and it said it says, Eigel 2024. So he is clearly, from this tweet, it appears that he's very clearly and openly mocking Bill Igel. And I wouldn't say this if he was seen as somebody who was a friend of Bill Igel, but Lincoln Huff is is like I said, you would be stretching the definitions to say that he's even really a Republican. Okay? Whereas Bill Igel, clearly a Republican, obviously very conservative, you know, was leading the conservative caucus. It's this type of thing that builds barriers between people in the legislature when they are openly in front of the public mocking each other. There's a reason why on the Senate and House floor, you have to refer to, or on the House floor, I'll say this since I was a member of the House of Representatives, there's a reason whenever you're talking to each other, you're not allowed to use each other's first names. If I wanted to speak, uh, what county do you live in? Madison. Madison. So if, if we were on the House floor and I wanted to debate you on an issue, I would have to request permission to speak to the gentleman from Madison. And as I'm talking to you, I can't say, Zach, you're wrong. I have to say, gentlemen, you're wrong. Because when you have rules that force this type of decorum, it helps elevate the discussion so we can be above board and not not unwind and deteriorate and decay into a spirit of open animosity, bitterness, resentment, and just straight up making fun of people. But when you're not on the House or Senate floor, well, then you can do whatever you want. But the thing is, is those people that you're still mocking and making fun of, they see that. And when they see that not only they see it, but they see that everybody else in Missouri sees it, that is going to do so much to build barriers between different people in the state Senate or in the House. And Dave Schatz and Caleb Rowden, they need to get on this and make sure that we are upholding some decorum, even when we're outside of the building, because this is bad for the state. What's bad for leadership, this is a situation that's bad for leadership, and it's their fault because everything rises and falls on leadership. But when it's bad for the relationships in the state Senate, it's going to be bad for the session to come. And so this is an absolute failure 
of leadership in the state Senate to allow this kind of thing to go on unchecked. Now, I know that people think, oh, we're just having fun. Not everybody thinks it's funny. If the people that you're doing this, if you're doing it at somebody else's expense and they're not part of the joke and they're not for it and they feel like this is an attack, well, then it is an attack. If it feels like an attack, it is an attack in spite of whether or not it was meant that way. But in the case of Lincoln Huff, um, I wasn't at this event, but to me, it totally would make sense that this was an attack, (laughs) you know, because I know the chaos that has ensued over this last legislative session. And I know Lincoln Huff. We we all got elected to the Missouri House of Representatives in the same year back in uh, uh, during the 2010 campaign. And we swore in in 2011. But this is a failure in leadership. And I'm telling you, whoever the next leader of the state Senate is, has got to be above this and actually start holding people to a higher standard of behavior, not just in the building, but even outside of the building, they need to start developing and pushing that spirit of of friendliness, if nothing else, courtesy, politeness, decorum. The same rules that we have in the House and in the Senate, they serve a very important purpose. Now, let's move on to the B or not the B. How much time do we have here? Uh, we got six minutes. Six minutes. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the B or not the B. This is a game. And we're going to bring some people in to eventually play this with us. That'd be great. Okay, but this, yeah, <laughs> because you didn't do so well last no, week. No, I three for five. You started working your way back up. Yeah. Okay. I came back on the last two. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see if you can continue that trend, and maybe you can come out ahead on this one. Fingers crossed. Okay. The B or not the B. I'm going to read headlines, and they are either going to be satire, fake headlines from the B or not the B, whose slogan is fake news you can trust, or... They're going to be headlines from notthebee.com, which are real headlines. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Once again, I am without my pen. So we're going to keep score. So let's just, let's just do this in our heads. Yep. First headline is FBI reports fantastic night's sleep after raid on my pillow. Ooh, uh, that's got to be the bee. That is the B. Good yeah. job. All right, one for one. So the FBI went after. They're going after Mike Lindell. They've, uh, I think they've already gotten his phone. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously a supporter of Donald Trump, the yes. guy from My Pillow. Uh, okay, moving on. Second headline is rapper Eminem tops Billboard's Hot Christian Songs chart for gospel collaboration, calls Jesus his savior. That's not the B. That is not the B. Very good. Did you already know this? I did not. Okay. I don't think there's been like a conversion of Eminem. No. But he he like collaborated with a couple other rappers. One of them was Kanye West, who says mm-hmm. he's a Christian, kind of been very open about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the I don't know what the deal is with Eminem. I hope he is. That'd be great. I'm a Christian. I I think I think you know. I think I'd he's want him to be a he's he's getting to that age where it's like uh uh you know he's he can't be too picky about the projects he wants to work on. I don't know. Know. I mean, he's got a lot of money. Eminem. But. Yeah, but Eminem, like even, like nobody wants to mess with that guy. He can almost do whatever he wants. I feel like he's already run out of projects. Oh, there you go. Maybe that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so there you go. You've, uh, you're, you're, two in t- you're two for two now. Mm-hmm. Good job. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see if we can keep this up. Headline is, in move to become more serious and nonpartisan, CNN moves Don Lemon to morning show. I see. This is something I I would know if I paid more attention to CNN. But uh, <laughs> see, because they're not serious and because they're very partisan, people like us often tune out of what what's going on at yeah. CNN. Um, I'm gonna go with not the B. Not the B. Mm-hmm. That is correct. That is a real headline. CNN has moved Don Lemon, which is 
one of the most wildly liberal Mm -hmm. people that they have over at CNN. They moved him to the morning show. I don't know if that's going to help win the nonpartisan crowd back to CNN. Right. They got they got to fire Don Lemon. They need to send him over to MSNBC, who's not even making a a case. Yeah, because the morning show has got to be one of the biggest, you know, viewings that they have, and so. Why are they going to put the partisan guy where they have the most viewership? Yeah, the, the guy who's responsible for the bad reputation you have, you're just moving him to the morning show. But that's what they did. But that's a real headline. So mm-hmm. is that three for three? That's right three now? for three. Okay, let's, let's see. I'm going to move you a harder one here. Let's see if we can uh, trip you up just a little bit. Headline is, Democrats propose another Inflation Reduction Act to combat inflation created by the first Inflation Reduction Act. That's something I could see the government doing. Mm-hmm. But did they? Um, all right. I'm going to go same choice, not the B. That is the Babylon B. That is a fake headline. So you're you're three and one. You're still you're still doing way better than you did last week. Yes. Okay, definitely. so you've gotten three headlines correct. Mm-hmm. You've been able to guess correctly. But this last one, that is that is the Babylon B. Congress has not yet introduced a Inflation Reduction Act to combat the inflation created by the first Inflation Reduction Act. But I'm telling you what, it could be a real headline in the it next, in the coming weeks and coming years. Okay, here we go. Headline is, rapper Ice-T says LA is too dangerous to be wearing bling anymore. Ooh. I'm going to go with I got to go with it again, not the B. I'm going to say it's a real headline. That is a real headline. Rapper Ice-T, who wears his own bling, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been Mm -hmm. in the game for a long time. It's too dangerous. L.A. is too dangerous to be walking out around the streets with any type of bling because you might get mugged, you might get murdered, you might get shot. Mm -hmm. So good job. All right. All right. Let's move on. Let's do another one here. Let's do this last one, maybe. Yeah, we got time for one more. Time for one more. Okay. Headline is... Daily Wire announces, Daily Wire makes movies, Mm -hmm. Daily Wire announces they are making their own Black Panther starring Ben Shapiro. Oh, you uh, you brought on the hard ones for sure. Um, I'm going to go, I got to go B. I think that's a B article. That is a B article. Good job. You got five, five right, one wrong. Five for one. you, You completely redeemed yourself. I'll from, take it from this last from last <laughs> week's the beer, not the be. What's funny about that headline though is Ben Shapiro is always like, you can't identify with whatever you want to be. And I've heard him ask people the question, you know, mm-hmm. uh, are you black? You know, why right. are, why are you not sixty six years old? So it mm-hmm. it could totally be though that Ben Shapiro would be like, hey, let's make a Black Panther and let's all just identify as black, and the liberals should be totally okay with that. But of course, that is a fake headline from the Babylon Bee. <laughs>